G'day everybody, uh, welcome to our online series, our summer series here called Church Without Walls. This is message number four that we've done in online messages to spur you into a new frame, a new paradigm, a new mindset and a whole lot of new behaviours for some of you. Church Without Walls is really helping us to shift how we operate in order that we would not be the church in a building, but we'd be the church in the community, that we would be looking outward, that we'd be demonstrating love, that we would be living out our faith in a dynamic way and in a different way. You know, many years ago, a friend said to me, he says, you know, sometimes church just involves us coming together. We sit in the pew and we look at the back of the head of the person in front of us and we listen to one person talking. And after about 90 minutes... We go home, and that's church. And it shocked me. It, it caused me to rethink, and I, I suppose I'm challenged by what church looks like and how we should be church. And so today I want to share this message with you. And the, the first half of it, let's call the title, What Does Love Look Like? Because we are called to love. And I'm going to take you through a parable, a parable you're going to find in Luke 10. So jump across there in your Bibles right now, uh, turn your page to that, or if you've got more than one screen, swipe across to Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. What I want to do at the beginning is I want to look at it, I want us to understand why Jesus told the story, but then in the latter part of the message, I want to flip it or twist it, I want to shake it up. And I really want it to be relevant to us and now in this season. And, uh, and yeah, let's, let's just see where that goes. So let's get together. Uh, Luke chapter 10. And uh, Jesus is chatting and he's wandering. And, and uh, he's just in Luke 10. He sends out the 72 disciples and they see uh, miracles and they see demons flee at the name of Jesus Christ and Jesus himself rejoices in the spirit, the word says. And uh, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. That's awesome. That's a great ministry trip right there. And they gathered around and, and then it says this in verse 25. So if you're making notes or you want to start the reading of the passage, then read from Luke 10 verse 25, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, who is this guy? He's a teacher. He's a lawyer. He's not uh, standing in a court representing uh, a defendant or uh, prosecuting. He's a student of the law, which is the books of Moses, the first five books of our Bible. And he's studied them and he's recognized as an expert. And it says he tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Right up in here, we've got a whole motive that we've got to look at. You know, this guy is not wanting to say, Teacher, would you help me? He's saying, I want to prove you wrong. And uh, it's just a total upset. But... Um, Jesus just answers his question every time. Jesus answers his question with a question. Uh, twice he does this. He says, you know, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? What is your reading of it? And what he's saying to this man is, what do you think? What do you think 
you know. And he says, wow. He quotes, quotes scripture and he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And you should love the Lord your God with all your strength and with all your mind. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says to him, you have answered rightly. Good one. Now, you do this and you will live. And the man, still not getting what he wanted, asks the second question. And he says, well, who's my neighbor? And to answer that question, Jesus tells a parable. The parable of the Good Samaritan that we know is the parable of the Good Samaritan. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed him, leaving him half dead. They didn't know if he was alive or dead. They left him on the side of the road. In the story, we also read that a priest came by. And when he saw him, he passed across on the other side of the road. In verse 32, likewise, a Levite... So remember, Levite is of the tribe of Levi. They're set apart as uh, assistants in the temple to minister before God. A Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side also. But then it says this. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, when he saw him, he had compassion. So right up front, we've got contrast. Jesus is giving contrast. It's the contrast of the Jewish people who understand God's law. You must love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. The Jews knew this. They could recite it. He's contrasting the Jews with Samaritans. Samaritans, the despised ones, the half-breeds, the ones that are over there that we don't associate with. The Samaritans that are not pure, and therefore we can't be like them. There's a distaste amongst the Jews for the Samaritans. And Jesus uses a Samaritan as a character. And he says, this man had compassion. Well, right up front, what I can see, I'll get into the action that the, the uh, Samaritan took in a minute, but right up front, what I can see is this contrast, the Jews and the Samaritans. And Jesus saying, look, love doesn't look like necessarily what you think it looks like, what you've been trained to think, because you can know something and not do it. Really what I think he's saying in regards to the priest, in regards to the Levite, both of whom were recognized leaders in God's church, the temple, in action is the absence of love. Cross the road, avoid the person that needs you. Your action or inaction in serving, therefore your choice, demonstrates your heart. Inaction in that situation is the absence of love. The Samaritan man, though, he was moved by compassion. And therefore, you have to say, in the context of the question the man asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to live in the fullness of your joy forevermore? Love your neighbor. And the Samaritan man, you have to say, therefore, is the one in the story who Jesus is highlighting, who would receive eternal life. Well, we've got to now put ourselves in the story. What would we do? Now, I'm going to show you what the Samaritan did. I've just got, well, actually a list of 10 things. I want to run through them, but I want to run through them so that you 
have no excuse. So you can't say you don't know what to do. But then I want to flip it. So, so let's do this first. What does love look like? Look at the story, follow along, and you're going to see what love looks like. So certain Samaritan, as he journeyed where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Here's the first thing. He saw him. How many times have you walked past someone that's got need and didn't even notice or disregarded them? I saw them. I noticed them. I had a reason to look out for them. You know, I'm challenged by this because, man, I'm so busy. I run between appointments. I drive quickly to the next place I've got to be. And, and I sometimes see things and I wonder what I should do about it. And often I keep driving. The first thing the Samaritan did is he saw him. The second thing is we notice he had compassion on him. Compassion is an emotion, but it's emotion that compels us to act. Like you can feel sorry for someone. Oh, look, I saw a, a lady holding a baby on her hip and she had a flat tire and I felt really sorry for her. And I wondered, how will she change that tire with a baby on her hip? That's not compassion. It's, it's kind of an emotion, but it's ineffective. Compassion. God, would you give us a heart of compassion for those that are hurt and lonely and broken and needing help? It says in verse 34, so he went to him. He crossed over to him. That's the third thing. He went out of his way and he went to him. He crossed over to him. That's the third thing. The fourth thing it says he does is he bandaged his wounds. He bandaged his wounds. He took care of the man and he, he protected him. As part of that, the next thing that he did, and uh, the fifth thing is it says he, he um, poured on oil and wine. Now, in those days, this is part of the bandaging process. So he's probably cleansing them with oil. He's disinfecting it with wine to keep it clean. And then he's protecting it with bandages. He's attending to the needs of this man. It then says he set him on his own animal. So this man got himself off his transport, his donkey. And he put the man on his donkey, the Samaritan man, got off the donkey and put the injured man on. He provided a way for transport. He provided an ease. He enabled this man to get out of danger. To He enabled him to be transported to a place of safety. That's the sixth thing. The seventh thing is this. He brought him to an inn. Well, what's that? It's a place of shelter. It's a place of safety. It's a, it's a place for sleep and rest and care. He made available a place of safety. That's the seventh thing he did. And then it says, the end of verse 34, and took care of him. He probably sat by his bed. He probably checked his fever. He probably checked his wounds to make sure they were cleansed. He took care of him. He was attentive to him. On the next day, when he departed, he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Two days wages. Let's just put that into today's terms. Look, two coins, whatever. No, no. Imagine you have a, a job in New Zealand and you earn $1,000 a week. This is two days wages. So if you're earning $1,000 a week, that's $400 you would give the innkeeper and say, look, this is for the man. This is for the guy who needs a safe place to shelter and recover. 
400 bucks. And lastly, he makes a pledge. He says to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. He made a pledge, a commitment, ongoing support. He wasn't just, hey, I hope you're okay. I'm out of here. No, no, he followed up. He, he was attentive and he was responsive to the circumstance. He wanted to see this man be healed. The Samaritan man had compassion and it was compassion that compelled him to act. Jesus said, who is the neighbor among these three? Who is the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Now, there's only one answer. The, the lawyer said, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, now go and do likewise. I wonder who you would be in that story. Which one of those three would you be? The priest, hurrying about business. The Levite, wanting to stay clean. The Samaritan, who had compassion and was compelled to act. What does love look like? It looks like loving people where they are, demonstrating compassion and love in practical ways to take care of their needs and making sure they find healing and wholeness, fullness as God designed. In our series, Church Without Walls, uh, we've ended up looking at these messages that compel us to shift our thinking to have an understanding that God has got more for us than attending a church meeting, clapping and feeling good. It, what compelled me to go on this journey, and I really, I'm all hopeful that many of you have done the activities and stretched yourself and challenged yourself and studied the devotionals to find in the scriptures what God would say to you. I hope you've done that. But I was stirred for us to really come to Jesus and ask a question. And, and this is where I want to flip this story and, and, and let's put ourselves into it. What if we came to Jesus, just like this guy? The lawyer came to Jesus as his teacher, what shall I do? What if we, as the church, we came to Jesus and we said, Jesus, what does church look like? And what if Jesus said to us, what does the Bible say? And we would look at the scriptures and like, to be honest, we'd probably argue about it because there's so many different versions and translations and perspectives. We, we come back to Jesus and we, we've wrestled with it and we've looked at the scriptures and we're, we're not sure really, but we, we, we think we've got the best we can bring. We say, Jesus, we, 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 we think church looks like we need to love God and we need to love others. And Jesus says, yeah, guys, you got it. You got it. That's awesome. Now, why don't you do that? And we're like, but, but Jesus, what does love look like? 
And he starts with a story. He says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. The story's the same. What is it that we need to hear Jesus say? And are we willing to hear it? This man, the lawyer, was asking the question to try and prove to himself that his knowledge was all he needed to inherit eternal life. Are we coming to Jesus? This has is, this is challenged me this morning. Are we coming to Jesus and asking him a question, what does church look like? Hoping to prove ourselves right to satisfy our tradition, our comfort, and what we already know. Therefore, we could sit back and say, good for us. I often find if you ask God a question with the wrong motive, he allows you to find the wrong answer. But... When we really ask with the true intent to have Jesus Christ reveal the truth to us, we find that revelation, the revelation that leads us to God's truth. God's truth that leads us to shift our paradigms, our belief structure and our methodology in order that we would love God and love others. Jesus prayed for us and he was in the garden and he knows that the hour has come for his sacrifice and it pained him. He bore the sins of the world and the weight of what he had to carry in order that we might find salvation today. And in this, in this prayer, he prays for us. In verse 20 of John chapter 17, Jesus is praying the, it's called the high priestly prayer. It's really, I suppose, confirmation that Jesus is the high priest uh, that we read about in Hebrews. There's nothing higher than his sacrifice and indeed his love demonstrated through this prayer. It's beautiful. Read the whole chapter. But today I want to look at verse 20. Of John 17. Jesus says, I do not pray for these ones alone. And he's meaning his disciples because he's just prayed for them. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So we believe in Jesus through the testimony of his disciples, through the scriptures. That they, so that we, and so he's praying for us, that they would be one. As you, Father, and me, and I, and you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus desires for us to come together, to be built together, established, as I shared in the last message, established together as living stones into the dwelling place of God, that people would see that and glorify God in heaven. 
here, he says. May they believe in me. May they be one in us that the world may believe you sent me. Our unity, our attitude, the way we live is the message of Jesus Christ. As we uh, bring this message to a close, um, my prayer for you is that you would go to Jesus and you'd ask him, Jesus, what does love look like for me to live as one with your church? How, Jesus, would I be united in faith and solidarity and commitment and covenant and unity? Jesus, would you help us to learn what love looks like? And in learning what love looks like, Jesus, would you help us to learn what it means to be the church? The church that the town notices because the love of God is evident. The church that sees the glory of God through the way we act, the way we live, the way we love, the way we serve. Um, I'm praying that prayer. And if you pray that prayer, and when we get together, if we pray that prayer together, I have the highest confidence that Jesus will come and bring the revelation we need in order to lead us into the future. He's called us to be the church that we would let our light shine before all men, that they would see our good deeds, that they would see our love and glorify our Father in heaven. May God richly bless you as you go on this journey. And I look forward to being with you soon as we gather together and lift up the name of Jesus Christ over our town. God bless you all.